0: Shalom, alakum, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are looking at this week's Torah portion, Beshalach. Let me give you the Torah portion summary from org. The 16th reading from the Torah is named, Beshalach, which means, when he sent. The title comes from the first verse of the reading, which can be literally translated to say, and it happened when Pharaoh sent out the people. The reading tells the adventures of the Israelites as they leave Egypt, cross the Red Sea, receive miraculous provisions in the wilderness, and face their first battle. So what we have here is Exodus chapter 13, starting with verse 17, through 17, verse 16. And a few things take place here. We have the pillar in the cloud of fire. We have the crossing of the Red Sea. We have the pursuers, that being Egypt drowned, the song of Moses, the song of Miriam, bitter water made sweet, bread from heaven, water from the rock, and then, of course, a fight or war with Amalek. So it's going to be a very, very interesting portion for us to read this morning. I'm going to try, but like I said, try not to do too much commentary, but I do want to have a conversation about the Song of Miriam and give you just an interesting oral tradition uh, that surrounds Miriam in that situation. So. With all that said, let's dig right in and let's have a look. Starting with verse 17 of chapter 13, the Hallelujah Scriptures. And it came to be, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that Elohim did not lead them by the way of the land. Uh, the Pelishites, though that was nearer. For Elohim said, Lest the people regret when they see fighting and return to Mitzrayim, that is to say Egypt. So Elohim led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Sea of Reeds. And the children of Yisrael went up armed from the land of Mitzrayim. And Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him. For certainly made the children of Israel swear, saying, Elohim shall certainly visit you, and you shall bring my bones from here with you. And they departed from Sukkot and camped in Atham at the edge of the wilderness. And Jehovah went before them by day in a column of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a column of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. The, col- the column of the cloud did not cease by day, nor the column of the fire by night before the people. So please note, this portion, at the end of the day, even though we have all these crazy th- and miraculous things going on, I would argue that the portion is really about faith and the roller coaster of faith walking in faith. God does a lot of things, right? He really demonstrates that he's with Israel. But then there'll be so many times where they're grumbling and murmuring and questioning. And then there'll be times where they demonstrate really great faith. And then there'll be times where it seems like they don't even have a mustard seed worth. And we might be quick to judge. We might be quick to say... (laughs) He just literally parted the Red Sea. How can you moments later be lacking faith? But if we're not careful, we see this in our own lives. We'll run into a crisis and we'll pray and we'll fast and God will deliver us. And By the time the next thing rolls around, it's like we've forgotten and lost faith again. And we're questioning and wondering, is God really with us? And the circumstances that the Israelites were facing were much graver they had pursuers trying to kill them they had giants that they had to fight they were in the wilderness without a place or a home really they had to wonder at times where food and water was going to come from so as we pursue deeper in this Yes, we'll understand why they are called a stiff-necked people and why God gets so frustrated with them. But let's not be so arrogant as to not be able to see how we demonstrate these same behaviors at times with a lot less pressure than what they were facing in the wilderness. But the argument could also be made that we haven't got to see the miraculous signs, right? The cloud in the sky, the fire. The trumpet blast, the voice of God, the sea parted. Certainly, that argument could be made. All right, we're ready for chapter fourteen now—the crossing of the Red Sea. Let's dig in. And Jehovah spoke to Moshe, saying, "Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi Ha between Migdal and the sea, opposite of Baal Safan." camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh shall say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land, the wilderness has closed them in. And I shall harden the heart of Pharaoh, and he shall pursue them. But I am to be esteemed through Pharaoh and over his army. And the Mishraites shall know that I am Jehovah, and they did so. And it was reported to the sovereign of Mishraim, that is to say Egypt, that the people had fled And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Yisrael go from serving us? So he made his chariots ready, and he took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Mizraim, with officers over all of them. And Jehovah hardened the heart of Pharaoh, sovereign of and He pursued the children of Yisrael. But the children of Israel went out with a high hand, and the mistrites pursued them, and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen, and his army, and he reached them by camp, camping by the sea, beside Pai Ha-Harath before Baal-Siphon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and saw the mistrites coming upon them. And they were greatly afraid, and so the children of Israel cried out to Yehovah. And they said, Moshe, did you take us away to die in the wilderness? Because there are no graves in Mistrim? What is this that you have done to us to bring us up out of Mitzraim? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Mitzrim, saying, Leave us alone and let us serve the Mistrites, that is to say the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Mistrites than to die in the wilderness. And Moshe said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the deliverance of Jehovah, which he does for you today. For the Mistrites whom you see today, you are never, never to see again. Jehovah fights for you, and you keep silent. Please note, I just love that part. Moses is like, just watch what God is going to do. I mean, imagine if we could have that type of faith and attitude when trouble comes. And most of us haven't had to face the kind of trouble that we're talking about here. There's an army coming to annihilate the Israelites, Okay, they see the chariots. They see the power of the greatest nation on the earth at that time coming towards them. And Moses' faith is like, you just watch what Jehovah is going to do. And while you watch, keep your mouth closed. right? No murmuring. Just be quiet. Keep your mouth closed. Have faith and see what happens. That could be a lesson for us. Verse 15, And Jehovah said to Moshe, Why do you cry to me? Speak to the children of Yisrael, and let them go forward. And you lift up your rod, and stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And let the children of Yisrael go on dry ground through the mist of the sea. And I, see, I am hardening in the hearts of the Mistrites, and they shall follow them. And I am to be esteemed through Pharaoh and over all of his army his chariots and his horsemen. And the Mistrites shall know that I am Jehovah, when I am esteemed to Pharaoh his chariots and his horsemen. And the messenger of Elohim, who went before the camp of Yisrael, moved and went behind them, and the column of the cloud went from before them and stood behind them, and came between the camp of the Mistrites and the camp of Yisrael. See, notice that God himself is coming between the armies of Egypt and his children. And it was the cloud and the darkness, and it gave light by night. And the one did not come nearer, the other all the night. And Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea, and Jehovah caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Yisrael went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Mistrites pursued and went after them, into the midst of the sea, and all the horses of Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to be in the morning watch that Jehovah looked down upon the army of the Mistrites through the column of fire and the cloud. And he brought the army of the Mistrites into confusion. And he took off their chariot wheels, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Mistrites said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for Jehovah fights for them against the Mistrites. And then Jehovah said to Moshe, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and let the waters come back upon the Mistrites on their chariots, and on their horsemen. And Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its usual flow at the break of day, with the mistrites fleeing into it. Thus Jehovah overthrew the mistrites, that is to say Egyptians, in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and that not one of them was left, and the children of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus Jehovah saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Mistrites. And Israel saw the Mistrites dead on the seashore, and Israel saw the great work which Jehovah had done in Mitzrayim. And the people revered Jehovah, and believed Jehovah and his servant Moses. Chapter 15 Then Moshe and the children of Israel sang the song to Jehovah and spoke, saying, Now please note, this is the song of Moses. Interestingly enough, we hear about the song of Moses again in the book of Revelation. Let me just read you these eight verses from Revelation real quick just as a reminder that this song will play a role again. Revelation 15, 1-8 And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven plagues, for in them is filled the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the and the song of the Lamb saying, "Great and marvelous are Thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are Thy ways, Thou King of the Saints." So I guess we only needed the first three verses, but it's the same situation, right? There's this great deliverance, and all the people who overcame the plagues, or I mean, overcame the beast, had victory over his image, over his mark. They didn't take the number of his name. They're on the sea of glass with harps. And they begin to sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Why? Because God had delivered them out of that chaos. Just like what just happened with Israel here. So Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to Jehovah and spoke, saying, I sing to Jehovah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider has been thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and song and he has become my deliverance he is my El and I praise him Elohim of my father and I exalt him Jehovah is a man of battle Jehovah is his name he has cast Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea and the chosen officers are drowned in the sea of reeds please note that's that's an important line I'll come back to that in a second the depths covered them They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Jehovah, has become great in power. Your right hand, O Jehovah, has crushed the enemy. And in the the greatness of your excellence, you pulled down those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath, and it consumed them like stubble. And with your wind in your nostrils the waters were heaped up. The flood stood like a wall. The depths became stiff in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I pursue, I overtake, I divide the spoil. My being is satisfied on them. I draw out my sword, my hand destroys them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sink like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Jehovah, among the mighty ones? Who is like you, great and Kodesh, that is to say holiness. Awesome in praises, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. Your kindness, you led the people whom you have redeemed. Your strength, you guided them to your Kodesh, that is to say holy dwelling. People heard, they trembled. Anguish gripped the inhabitants of the Pelesheth. Then the chiefs of Edom were troubled. The mighty men of Moab trembled trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted. Fear and dread fell on them. By the greatness of your arm, they are as silent as a stone until your people pass over, O Jehovah. Until the people whom you have brought pass over, you bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. And the place, O Jehovah, which you have made for your own dwelling, the Mikdash, O Yehovah, which your hands have prepared, Yehovah reigns for ever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and Jehovah brought back the waters of the sea upon them. And the children of Yisra went on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Now Miriam and Miriam, the nebiyah, that is to say the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timber in her hand and all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dances and Miriam answered them sing to Yehovah for he is highly exalted please note this is very interesting and I think we overlook it the scriptures is going out of its way to tell us two things about Miriam here number one she's a prophetess okay Same thing as a prophet, only female. She's the sister of Aaron. Interesting, though, because we all know that she's not just the sister of Aaron. I mean, the star of the story is Moses. She's Moses' sister. So there's this this oral tradition that I want to share with you that suggests that this conversation about Miriam, about her being a prophetess and about her being the sister of Aaron actually points back to before Moses and the oral tradition is that Miriam prophesied to her parents that Moses would become a great man and deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt so what they suggest is that this passage is pointing back to that time which is why it refers to Miriam as a prophetess and only refers to her as the sister of Aaron because Moses had not yet come and there's some interesting things happening because this is all taking place by the sea of reeds and if we remember when Moses was born what happened? Exodus chapter 2 four verses here. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son and when she saw that he was beautiful she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer she got a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch and she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out What would happen? Now, if the oral tradition is true and that Miriam had prophesied to her parents, being a prophetess, according to the scriptures, that Moses would be this man who would deliver Israel out of the hand of Egypt. Now it makes sense why the parents had enough faith to put him in a basket and lay him amongst the reeds. And why Miriam stood at a different distance to see what would happen. What would God do? Kind of like how Moses told the people of Israel, stand and watch and see what God will do. And why Miriam has the courage to walk up to the daughter of Pharaoh and have a conversation with the daughter of Pharaoh about the baby Moses. And Miriam is the one that orchestrates this whole scenario where the parents get Moses back and are now paid to nurse him. And so with that potential backdrop, that could be why some of these things are the way they are. So here we have the prophetess Miriam. And she leads the women out now. They just got done doing the Song of Moses. Miriam leads the women out with timbrels. she answered them sing to Jehovah for he is highly exalted so I just wanted to point this out because Miriam she's not just some average girl that's mentioned in passing in the scriptures she is playing a huge role in this whole situation with Israel it was her wisdom That saved Moses to begin with. She's not just an average woman. She's a prophet of God. And now she's leading this song. Sing to Jehovah for he's highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Verse 22. And Moshe brought Yisrael from the seed of reeds. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness, and found no water. And they came to Marah, and they were unable to drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. So the name of it was called Marah. And the people grumbled against Moshe, saying, What are we to drink? And then he cried out to Jehovah, and Jehovah showed him a tree. And when he threw it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a law of the right ruling for them, and there he tried them. And he said, If... You diligently obey the voice of Jehovah your Elohim, and do what is right in his eyes, and shall listen to his commands, and shall guard all of his laws. I shall bring on you none of the diseases that I brought on Midstraim, for I am Jehovah who heals you. And they came to Elam, where there were twelve fountains of water and seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Chapter 16. And they departed from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after their going out of the land of Mistrium. And all the congregation of the children of Israel grumbled against Moshe and Aaron in the wilderness. Please note, how many days has it been? On the 15th day of the second month after they're going out. So they've been out for two and a half months. And now the grumbling starts. It says they're grumbling against Moshe and Aaron. Verse 3. And the children of Israel said to them, If only we had died by the hand of Jehovah in the land of Mistrium, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to satisfaction. Please note I'm going to be hurrying through the next uh, chapter here chapter and a half that we have left to read because I'm running out of time but I want to just make this last important note we are tempted to judge the Israelites here but try to imagine that God were to lead us out of the United States of America a place where many of us have grown up with the great, some of the greatest comforts and, and uh, quality of life and living ever seen by human beings on planet Earth. Food to abundance. Entertainment to abundance. Comfort to abundance. And now we're in the wilderness. And now we can't just go to the fridge, and and make a sandwich, or throw enough pizza in the oven. Now we're wondering where food is going to come from, where water's coming from. Would you quickly start to long for the United States again, even though all these things are going? Right now they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're remembering how, yeah, they were kind of mistreated by the Egyptians, but man, they had, they had food, food to the full, right? That's what's happening here. It says, we had bread to satisfaction. We might as well have just died there. For you have brought us out into the wilderness and have put all the assembly to death with hunger. And Jehovah said to Moshe, see, I am raining bread from the Shemayim for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day in order to try them, whether they walk in my Torah or not. Why did God make it to where it would, the bread would come down from heaven at night and they could gather it in the morning, but it would spoil by the end of the day, except for the day, except for on the day before the Sabbath, right? They could, go, they could gather a double portion that day and it wouldn't go bad. What was the point of that? Well, he says it right here. It's a test to see if they will actually obey me or not. I am raining bread down from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day in order to try them, whether they walk in my Torah or not. And it shall be on the sixth day when they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Moshe and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, Evening you shall now know that Jehovah has brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim, And in the morning you shall see the esteem of Jehovah, for he hears your grumblings against Jehovah. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moshe said, In that Jehovah gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to satisfaction. For Jehovah hears your grumbling which you make against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against Jehovah. And Moshe said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before Jehovah, for he has heard your grumblings. And it came to be, as Aaron spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and see, the esteem of Jehovah appeared in a cloud. And Jehovah spoke to Moshe, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the children of Israel speak to them, saying, Between the evenings you are to eat meat, and in the morning you are to be satisfied with bread. And you shall know that I am Jehovah your Elohim. And it came to be that the quails came at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay around the camp, and a layer of dew went up, and see, the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And the children of Israel saw, and they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moshe said to them, It is the bread which Jehovah has given you to eat. This is the word which Jehovah has commanded. Let every man's gather it according to each one's need, and Omer for each being according to the number of beings. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. In other words, no hoarding allowed. Just take what you actually need. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And they majored it by the omers, and who gathered much did not have too much, and who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered according to his need. And Moshe said, Let no one leave any until morning. And they did not listen to Moshe, so some of them left part of it until morning, and bread worms, and it stank. And Moshe was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, each one according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And it came to be on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moshe. And he said to them, This is what Jehovah has said, Tomorrow is rest, a Sabbath Kodesh to Yehovah. That, that which you bake, bake, and that which you cook, cook, and lay up for yourselves all that is left over to keep until morning. And they laid it up until morning, and Moshe commanded, and did not stink, and no worm was in it. And Moshe said, Eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to Jehovah. Today you do not find it in the field. Gather it six days, and on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there is none. And it came to be that some of the people went out, and on the seventh day to gather, and they found none. And Jehovah said to Moshe, How long shall you refuse to guard my commands and my Torah?" That is to say, loss. See, because Jehovah has given you the Sabbath, therefore he is giving you bread for two days, and on the sixth day, let each one stay in his place. Do not let anyone go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called its name Mana. And it was like white corridor seed, and the taste of it was like thin cakes made with honey. And Moshe said, This is the word which Jehovah has commanded. Fill an omer with it. Keep it for your generations, so that they will see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Mitzraim. And Moshe said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it, and put it down before Jehovah to keep for your generations. As Jehovah commanded Moshe, so Aaron put it down before the witness to keep. And the children of Israel ate manna forty years. Until they came into the inhabited land, and they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is one tenth of an ephah. Chapter 17. We got 16 more verses here. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed on their journey from the wilderness of Sin according to the command of Jehovah, and camped in Raphadim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people strove with Moshe and said, Give us water to drink. Moshe said to them, Why do you strive with me? Why do you try, Yehovah? And the people thirsted there for water. The people grumbled against Moshe and said, Why did you bring us out of Midstream to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And then Moshe cried out to Yehovah, saying, What am I to do with this people? Yet a little, and they shall stone me. And Jehovah said to Moshe, Pass over before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Yisrael. And take in your hand, and in your rod, with which you struck the river, and go. See, I am standing before you there, on the rock in Harab. And you shall smite the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people shall drink. And Moshe did so before the eyes of the elders of Yisrael. And he called the name of the place Massah. And Meriboth because of the strife and of the children of Israel and because they tried Jehovah saying is Jehovah in our midst or not so please note this I don't think this is a statement of asking is God like literally with us they know it they, they've got the pillars right the cloud the pillar of fire they've got the mana from heaven So what are they saying here? Is God with us or not? I think it's just a question of intimacy. Like, is God caring? Is God, you know, close to us? I think is the real question. We do this in our own lives. At least I do. I'll have seasons where I'm like, where is God? I don't feel his presence. Is he even with me anymore? That's really, I think, the heart of the question. Is he in our midst or not? Is he near to us? For Sadan, Amalek came and fought with Yisrael, and Rapha'dim. And Moshe said to Yahushua, "Choose for us men and go to fight with Amalek." Tomorrow, I am standing myself on top of the hill with the rod of Elohim in my hand, and Yahushua did as Moshe said to fight with Amalek. Moshe and Aaron and Hur went up from the top of the hill By the way, same name that Jesus has Yahushua And it came to be when Moshe held up his hand And Yisrael prevailed And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed But Moshe's hands were heavy But Moshe's hands were heavy So he took a stone and he put under him And he sat on it And Aaron and Hur supported his hands One on the other side And one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Yahushua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Jehovah said to Moshe, Write this in a remembrance for the book, and recite it in the hearing of Yahushua, that I shall completely blot out from remembrance of Amalek from under the Shemayim. And Moshe built an altar, and he called its name Jehovah Nessi, For he said, because a hand is on the throne of Yah, Jehovah is to fight against Amalek from generation to generation. And that, my friends, is the end of our study for this morning. I pray that you have been blessed and strengthened by God's word. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. Trust me when I say they're much, much needed. And those of you who are willing to support the podcast, thank you so much for making this possible week after week after week. It's far beyond what I deserve. Shalom, peace, and grace be with you. And until next time, God bless.